0: The League of Women Voters of Dane County and Madison City Channel present Know Your Candidates. Wisconsin State Assembly, District 76. Now, here's our moderator, Cheryl Daniels.
1: Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your moderator, Cheryl Daniels, and I would like to introduce one of the candidates for the Wisconsin State Assembly District 76, Tori Jekyll. Therese Bersow was unable to uh, attend due to a scheduling conflict. To start with, you will have three minutes to give an opening statement which answers the following question. What is your professional, educational, and civic background that qualifies you for the Wisconsin State Assembly, and why are you running?
0: Thank you, and thanks for, for having me here. Thanks to the League of Women Voters for putting this on and giving the candidates a chance to uh, get their messages. I would appreciate that. Sure. Um, I've, I grew up in Madison. I've lived here my entire life. Uh, going to school here, uh, grade school, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison uh, uh, where I got my uh, uh, bachelor's in business administration. Uh, I've lived here since then. My family owns a business based here in Madison and I'm currently uh, running that along with my, my brother and father. Um, I got into the race because I've lived in uh, Assembly District 76 for about 10 years now and I have voted in the past four elections and I haven't had a choice uh, when I went to the polls. So I'm happy to, to be bringing the voters of our district a choice this, this year. I don't think democracy works if, if uh, when you go to the polls there's uh, only one, one option on the ballot. And I've been uh, politically active. I, I, I follow politics. Uh, I never thought that I would get into politics, but I finally decided that with the way things are going in our state and our country, that now was a time that we needed to get some new, fresh voices uh, into the mix. When it comes to government experience, I really don't have any. I'm not going to beat around the bush and tell you I have more experience than my opponent. She's been in office for 12 years. She's lived and breathed state politics for all those 12 years. Prior to that, she held other government positions. So I don't have that experience. But what I do know is that Uh, Right now, uh, the average tenure of the people in our uh, state legislature is over nine years. And it's people that have had that long tenure that have got us to the point we're at now with a $2.5 billion budget deficit. We entered this recession with one of the lowest reserves of any state in the country, uh, which greatly hindered our ability to weather this financial storm. And in addition, the state's debt has been rising precipitously for years. Uh, so that's where experience has gotten us so I think it's time to turn away from looking at career politicians or politicians who have been in office a long time and start looking at creative thoughtful uh, citizens with successful private sector experience Uh, I think having people in the state capital that have government experience I think it's good to I think that's good but I think it's good to have different ideas in there too Uh, people from the outside who have spent a lot of time in the private sector and that's what I bring to this race Um, and you know a, a, a lot of people out there are, are upset right now and I understand that and I'm one of them um, but I urge you to ask yourself I, I'm an independent and I urge you to ask yourself does the state right now need more run-of-the-mill republican and democratic legislators or could it use more uh, independent uh, independent uh, people uh, such as myself who are fiscally responsible socially tolerant and bring a new perspective to public policy ideas that is currently lacking inside the state capitol.
1: Okay. Each of the following questions will require an answer of about two minutes from you. What do you believe is the most urgent issue for your district and what would you do about it?
0: Well the most urgent issue, there's there's really three and I'll talk more about one of those but the three that are out there is the 2.5 billion dollar deficit the state is facing because if and until that gets solved, it hinders our ability to do everything else that we want to do. Whether it's funding for education, the environment, uh, for health care, for things like that. That has to be fixed. So that's first and foremost. Um, but also, obviously, jobs. I mean, everyone's concerned about the economy and their, and their job right now, and that's the number one concern, too. But the other one, the one I want to talk more about is, is education. It's the one thing that I have noticed in my district over the past couple of years is the education issue. Uh, people have, have aren't always comfortable with their uh, neighborhood school or, or with the way things are going with education in our in our uh, district right now. Um, I think most parents want an education system that is innovative, that's flexible, that's responsive to their needs. And what I'm seeing is, I don't think a lot of parents are seeing that right now. And, and, and some of the ideas that I have that I think could help Change that would be. I think we need to add a little bit more competition into our education system. I think running it now, as we have it, it's it's pretty much a government-run monopoly. Uh, and my thought is, if it was run more, where uh, people had choices about where to send their children to school, and that can take many different forms. It can take the form of uh, vouchers. It can take the form of tuition tax credits. It can take the form of charter schools or virtual schools. The more choices we can give parents. Uh, and get schools competing for students, uh, I think they'll be more responsive to parents' needs and I think that'll uh, bring about a better education for our children at at probably a lower cost too.
1: Okay. If you are elected, you are coming into the legislature during a continuing economic downturn and a significant gap between revenues and spending. What do you believe are the most important priorities the legislature should um, address in the budget?
0: Well, as I said, the first thing was, as I already said, that the deficit's the first priority they have to address. That has to be addressed because we can't continue with the $2.5 billion uh, budget deficit, which over, that, that's a two-year budget deficit cause, because the state uh, does a two-year budget. So really, if you can cut, if you can either raise revenues or cut spending uh, in one year by half that, over the two years you've made it up. So the problem might not be as big as, as, as we think, but it's still significant. Mm. Um, so that has to be fixed. But the other big thing that you hear a lot of people talking about and I agree with is the school funding formula. That really needs to be addressed and really needs to be fixed. I can't sit here and tell you that I've got the magic bullet about how to fix that. All I can tell you is that I'm, I want to dig into that and work on it and I want to get that fixed when uh, the federal government just gave uh, the state uh, several million dollars um, as part of a, a, you know, education grant to, to keep teachers hired and, and to give to different school districts. And the state distributed that money based on, to school districts based on our current, uh, based on our current school funding formula. And if you, you know, go to the Department of Public Instruction and look at what amount of money each district got, um, like Madison got several million dollars, Milwaukee I think got over 10 million. There were districts that literally got two dollars uh, of that money. And that, that, and again, that was based on our current school funding formula. I think that's just indicative of of how poor that current formula is which i think has been in place since 1993. Um, i would like to see um, a system where the children uh, each child gets at least a guaranteed minimum level of funding i know there's a lot of things that have to go into the school funding formula Um, you've got different Different districts have different property values, they have different demographics, uh, different uh, income levels, all that has to go into it. But I think we need to make sure that we have a a system that guarantees a minimum, uh, minimum funding per child. Okay.
1: If you are elected, you will be coming into a legislature with a, a large number of new legislators. However, confidence in the legislature's ability to accomplish anything of a significance to help the state appears to be very low. What do you believe are the most important steps the legislature should take to regain the public's trust?
0: Uh, there's a couple steps I think that uh, that they can take. Um, and the first thing I'll say is I think it, it comes down to voters to, to start electing. Uh, people who they think are honest and good hardworking uh, individuals, uh, people who aren't beholden to special interests, um, such as myself who I, I'm running a, a small low budget campaign with no special interest money. Um, but I think that the main thing is to start being honest. They've got to stop using gimmicks, uh, uh, budgetary gimmicks. Uh, the last couple of budget uh, budgets have been balanced only through accounting maneuvers, uh, borrowing money from the transportation fund to move to the general fund. Uh, AND THEN BORROWING uh, TO ADD IT BACK INTO THE TRANSPORTATION FUND. THAT'S DISHONEST. Uh, ALSO, IT GOES AGAINST THE WISCONSIN CONSTITUTION, WHICH DOESN'T ALLOW FOR BORROWING TO FUND ONGOING PROGRAMS. Uh, SO THAT'S ONE, START BEING HONEST. NUMBER TWO, WE HAVE TO FIX THIS, uh, THE FISCAL MESS WE'RE IN, THE $2.5 BILLION BUDGET DEFICIT. Uh, THAT'LL RESTORE CONFIDENCE RIGHT THERE. Uh, YOU KNOW, INCREASED TRANSPARENCY, Uh, WE CURRENTLY DON'T HAVE A GOVERNMENT SPONSORED SPENDING DATABASE. AS I'VE BEEN RUNNING, I'VE BEEN TRYING TO LOOK UP DIFFERENT PIECES OF INFORMATION ABOUT HOW THE STATE SPENDS MONEY, WHAT IT SPENDS IT ON, AND YOU CAN FIND IT IN VARIOUS SPOTS, YOU KNOW, IT'S ON THE INTERNET AND STUFF, AND SOMETIMES YOU FIND CONFLICTING PIECES OF INFORMATION, BUT WE REALLY DON'T HAVE A GOVERNMENT SPONSORED, state spending database, I think that it's incumbent upon our legislators to uh, create a system where any private citizen can go out there and see what their money is being spent on very easily, uh, summarized very nicely. And right now that doesn't exist and I think that would go a long way towards uh, um, ensuring some confidence.
1: Okay. You have talked already about the financing of public schools and, and how um, the, uh, now we've cut deeply into school budgets to the point that many districts are experiencing significant cuts that are actually affecting students. Are there additional measures you'd like to discuss that the legislature can enact that you believe will assist districts in closing those gaps?
0: Yeah, well, I already talked in my opening remarks about how I think that our education system needs more choice and competition your question was about adding uh, how we can assist districts and, and I understand that um, and, and, and that's important but we also need to look at how the system is currently set up. It might not be just about finding a way to assist district with, districts with funding. It might be looking at the structure of the entire system and, and, and asking ourselves is this the way that things should be structured. We Wisconsin currently spends over $10,000 per pupil uh, each year in education and in our country since uh, over the past forty years we've essentially doubled funding per student uh, on inflation adjusted dollars over the past forty years. So we're spending twice as much now in inflation adjusted dollars per student as we did forty years ago but when you look at National Association of Education Progress test scores they've been largely flat. Uh, So we're spending twice as much money for the same results and I think uh, what what I've seen in my district, what I've seen throughout the state and the nation is people are, are getting frustrated with that. We're constantly increasing funding but things aren't really changing when it comes to outcomes. And to be, to be sure, there's a lot of differences right now between 40 years ago in terms of technology and uh, demographics and, and family issues and things like that. Things that might necess- necessitate higher spending per pupil. But it has doubled and I think that's, the, that's sort of the elephant in the room that we need to look at. Um, it's not so much uh, an issue of figuring how do we get districts more money year after year after year. It's trying to figure out Well, what's the structure of of the system that it should look like, and then how do we fund that? I'm more in favor of funding children than funding schools. I think uh, each child is unique, each child learns in different ways. A school that uh, might be a good school for one child may not be the best school for another child. My daughter uh, goes to a, a small school. Uh, some and, and she, I think she's thriving there. I think that's a good fit for her. I think other kids would do better in a larger school. In different schools, teach different ways. And I think the more we can give uh, choices and options to parents in that respect and to students, we'll, we'll see better outcomes. And the more that's, that that schools have to compete for uh, for uh, for students, I, I think it'll lead to, to lower lower costs. The the one thing about Mana, uh, I, I had gotten a. Uh, email from one of my current legislators about a, a bill in, in Congress that was going through uh, regarding uh, railroads and she was going to uh, push forth this, this bill to uh, end the monopolies that she said were driving service levels down and costs up. And I agreed with her, but a lot of legislators don't seem to understand that it seems to be the same thing in education. We have a, a public education system that is pretty, ha- has a monopoly and it can tend to drive service levels down and costs up. Um, unless there is a little bit more choice for parents and students, so.
1: Okay, turning to another significant ins- uh, issue, transportation issues such as re- regional transportation authorities, high-speed rail, and infrastructure construction and maintenance are significant issues to the citizens of the state. What do you believe are the most important areas for the legislature's agenda in this on these issues? Sure.
0: Well, I we we have to continue investing in roads. I mean, 70% of freight moves by roads in this country. Uh, As much as we'd like to for for the environment and and for different things uh, uh, to drive down the amount of road miles traveled and and things like that, automobiles are still going to continue to be the main source of transportation for people. So investing in roads and bridges and and infrastructure like that is going to be critical moving forward. Uh, We need to stop raiding the transportation fund. We can't go take money from the transportation fund to spend it on other things and then borrow uh, to replace that money. That needs to stop too. The one thing I think we really need to do is, is, is be better stewards of the public's money. Uh, when I look at the, the train issue right now, um, it sounds like a nice thing, and it sounds like it would be a good environmental thing, and it sounds like it would be good to reduce traffic. Uh, it, it sounds like a good thing, but the economics just don't add up on it. I don't know if there's any way to reverse what's happening with that right now. Uh, but I can tell you that the, sub, the subsidies per rider that are being projected for this right now, they're projecting over 300,000 people to ride this train every year. The subsidies per rider are ranging anywhere from $26 to $150 if you add in the cost, the $810 million cost that is being used to build the train. The w- Wisconsin has already said that it's going to be a, a $7.5 million annual subsidy per rider just an operating costs When That's the $26 uh, taxpayer subsidy per rider per trip. When you add in the capital cost to build the train, it goes up to $150 per rider taxpayer subsidy. You can take Badger uh, Badger bus to Milwaukee for $20, and that's not subsidized. And so we're going to replace. Uh, We're going to replace people taking the bus at $20 that's not subsidized with a train that could be anywhere from a $26 to $150 taxpayer subsidy. It just doesn't make sense to me, even though the concept sounds like a good idea. um, I just don't think it works for our state, for the population density of Madison and Milwaukee. I just don't think the ridership will be there. I hope I'm wrong. If it goes through, I hope I'm proven wrong. But I think that a lot more discussion uh, on the economics of it should uh, should have been made before the decisions were made.
1: There is continuing calls for a number of reforms to the campaign process. What do you believe are the best reforms the legislature should implement?
0: Well, I've I've looked a lot at this and I I know the League of Women Voters is is big on this too. There's been talk about uh, public financing uh, of elections and and things like that. And I'm not really in favor of public financing of elections. Um, I just, I I have a hard time uh, using taxpayer dollars to fund political speech of unelected uh, candidates who you may not agree with. Um, I have a Thomas Jefferson quote here that I've uh, written down a while ago that that I think makes a lot of sense and Thomas Jefferson once said, to compel a man to furnish contributions of money for the propagation of opinions which he disbelieves and abhors is sinful and tyrannical. And that's kind of how I feel, but I think it makes sense. A lot of people really don't like uh, the amount of money in politics, all of the special interests and things like that. And again, there's no silver bullet to get rid of that. Public financing would be one solution, but it would lead to a taxpayer's uh, dollars being spent on messages and ideas that they may not agree with. There's a lot of controversial issues out there. Abortion's one of them. It would essentially mean using taxpayer funds to pay for ads or candidates to speak about issues uh, on a, a controversial issue like that in a method that you may not agree with. And I, I just can't I can't justify taking taxpayer money and doing that. Um, I think one thing we can do is greater transparency. Uh, you can go out there on the internet and find out who's donated uh, to each campaign and things like that, um, but, but to increase that would, would be great. Uh, but I think voters need to take it upon themselves too. There's a lot of information out there. You can find out. Um, you can find out who's donated to campaigns and things like that. In addition, part of the reason that it's so expensive to run for office is trying to reach voters. Uh, but it's you know it's 2010, and most candidates have websites. They're running things on Facebook. They've got blogs. They're doing things like this. The information is out there for voters to go out there and grab it and learn about candidates and make educated decisions. And I think we as voters need to to take that responsibility more seriously and start doing that. And I know that's hard because. We've all got families. We've got busy lives. Uh, Most people don't live and breathe politics. Uh, They're not political junkies such as myself. I I understand that. But um, if we really want to take the money out of it, use the low-cost resources that are available right now. Go out there and find the information that's out there because you can do it from your living room at night without spending any money. And and right now, the way things are, candidates are spending gobs and gobs of money on on political ads and and mailers and things like that all in an effort to reach you. And I think that would be one thing we could do to try to... uh, to make it so that we didn't have to do so much of that.
1: Okay, before we wrap up, is there one final issue not already addressed that you wish to discuss that you feel is a priority?
0: Well, I think, I can't think of anything specifically. What I really think we need to do is start moving. I, I, would, I would like to move beyond partisan politics. Uh, the two-party system is, is I've never been pleased with it, I think a lot of people are discontent with it right now. Uh, it leads to a lot of partisan bickering and, and bitter divisions. Um, I, I believe politics should be about ideas, about good ideas that work, rather than about politics, special interests and power. And too often it's about power, it's about being in the legislature a long time to achieve a prominent position, uh, it's about making sure that your party looks good and the other party looks bad and I just, I I think we need to move past that. and. Um, that's part of the reason I'm running as an independent. I don't line up with either party. Certainly uh, there's ideas that I have that align with some of the ideas in each party. But uh, I'm an independent. I, I don't believe in party politics. I believe in going to voters, telling them what, what I believe and I, I have no party platform that I'm tied to. And, and I think we need to start electing candidates who, who have that, that vision and philosophy.
1: Okay. This has been a very interesting discussion. Um, At this time, you may make a one minute closing statement to the voters. Okay, thanks.
0: Uh, This year we have more independent and third party candidates running than we have in 40 years. I think it's a record year in terms of independent and and third party candidates running. And I think that signifies one thing. And it signifies a discontent amongst voters with the current two party system. It signifies a discontent with how each party has been able to solve our national and state issues. I, what, what, what I've seen as I've watched politics over the past 20 years as I've been paying attention is I've seen both parties have power and I've seen them both increase the size and scope of government uh, using their power for things that the voters don't like. And I think we need to move in a, in a different direction, putting more of decision making back in the hands of people. Uh, my, my own philosophy is that we're better off as a society allowing people to make as many decisions for themselves as possible uh, when we allow people to live their lives in accordance with their own values. We don't dictate to them to how they have to live their lives. Uh, I think it, it leads to the, the, the best way for us to achieve, uh, to achieve what's in the Wisconsin State Constitution, which is the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the best way to achieve it. And it also is the best way to achieve a uh, prosperous and successful uh, society, I believe.
1: Thank you. I'd like to thank Mr. Jekyll for joining us, and I'd also like to thank the viewers and remind everyone that the general election is Tuesday, November 2nd. Please vote. If you would like more information about voting procedures or about obtaining a copy of the League's voter guide, Candidate's Answers, call the League's office at 232-9447. Again, I'm Cheryl Daniels, and on behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining us.